0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host, Hal Elrod. And uh, one thing you may not know about me is I am a huge fan of comedy, particularly stand-up comedy. Um, In fact, I I used to, for for a couple years, I used to watch uh, stand-up comedy videos during my lunch break every single day. And not just for the enjoyment of that, but I was actually doing it to develop my comedic timing as a keynote speaker. So I'm a speaker, I tell jokes, and uh, I feel like when people are laughing, they're learning, they're listening, they're enjoying themselves. So I used to watch stand-up comedy every single day, uh, just just to kind of be in the mindset of how jokes were delivered by people that delivered them For a living. Um, One of my favorite comedians is Brent Pella. And if you don't know who Brent is, he's a 32-year-old comedian and current cast member on VH1's Wild and Out, Best known for its hilarious parody videos of American politics and pop culture, which have combined for more than 200 million views across YouTube and his social media channels. In fact, I am such a fan of Brent's comedy that uh, my wife and I have actually seen him perform stand-up live here in Austin, Texas twice in just the last few months. And what I love about Brent is that he pokes fun at both sides of any issue, including, you know, the controversial ones. So for example, the first video I ever saw of his that a friend sent me was titled people who wear masks versus people without masks, right? At that time, it was a very controversial topic and he played both characters in the video. He was played the person with the mask and then the person without the mask. And he kind of just poked fun at both sides and kind of pointed out some of the absurdities uh, from either perspective. And then this was the cool part. He played a third character that came in at the end. He came in and unified both sides by reminding people what matters most in terms of being empathetic and seeing other people's viewpoints. It was really cool. It was like this comedy video with like a really meaningful message at the end. And then another example of him kind of poking fun at both sides of an issue during the 2020 presidential race, which... Obviously very heated and controversial. He did multiple parody videos as, you know, Donald Trump and as Joe Biden and as, you know, other folks in the, in, in the political arena and just, just, you know, teased it all, which I think that's what comedy is about, right? It's, it's finding the funny in things that are otherwise maybe stressful. And, uh, and you'll hear Brent at the end of our conversation today, which I had so much fun talking to Brent. I just, I love this guy. He's such a, not just a funny person. But he's such a good human being. And, um, and at the end, I ask him about, because he's very spiritual and I ask him how he, how he sees the relationship between spirituality and comedy. And I think you'll love his answer and the mission that he is on, uh, as a result of his answer to that question. Today, we also talked about his creative process. I recently was asked to do stand-up comedy, and so I actually picked Brent's brain. I'm like, how do you write jokes? How do you intentionally uh, you know, create funny material? We talked about how he got his start in comedy, which is such a great lesson for all of the listeners of this podcast as the, you know, the Achieve Your Goals podcast, hearing how persistent he was to achieve his goal of becoming a comedian. Uh, you're going to hear a really cool story about how he landed a role in the hit TV show, Wild and Out. It's in its eighth season. It's a hit show on VH1, but Brent's been a cast member for, this is his fourth season that he just wrapped up. And just a whole lot more really, really um. Uh, great stuff from Brent Pella today. Again, I I really enjoyed this conversation. All right, before we dive in, let me take just a minute or two to thank our sponsors. Of course, our longtime sponsor Organifi makes the highest quality whole food, plant-based nutritional supplements on the market, some of which are in capsule form, but most of which are in powder form. So you scoop into your smoothie or a glass of water or juice or nut milk or whatever, and you get all of your nutrition from their protein powders to their product Pure that helps with cognitive function to their product Glow that my wife's been raving about that helps your nails be stronger and your hair be thicker. It's got collagen in it and a whole lot more. Head over to Organifi.com forward slash Hal. That is spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi.com forward slash Hal. And then use the code H-A-L at checkout my name, Hal at checkout, and as a listener of the podcast, you get 20% off your entire order. And then last but not least, our newest sponsor, Cured Nutrition, who also makes some of the best, highest quality, whole food, plant-based supplements. What makes Cured Nutrition different is they incorporate CBN oil for all of its healing properties and it's as a binder for the other ingredients. So for the two products that I love, I take Rise in the morning, which is a nootropic to help with your focus and clarity. And I take nightcaps in the evening, which helps me to sleep at night. It's got CBD and CBN oil. One's a relaxant, one's a sedative, and I sleep like a baby and I wake up feeling refreshed. And they have a whole lot more products, but those are my two favorite. Head over to curednutrition.com forward slash hal. That is C-U-R-E-D curednutrition.com forward slash hal and use that same code H-A-L- pal at checkout for 20% off your entire order is a listener of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. All right, friends, uh, I'm excited for this conversation. It's a whole lot of fun and it's thoughtful. It's insightful. Uh, my new friend, Brent Pella. Brent Pella, dude, this is an honor, man. I'm a huge fan. Thank you, bro. I'm a fan of you. I'm a uh. fan of you. Oh, I I was I was before we
1: met. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy to make friends with people that I'm already fans of. So I don't um, feel as weird around them.
0: I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, man. I just uh, so it was a pleasant surprise. So I went and saw you do stand up my wife and I uh, here in Austin, Texas, a couple months ago. And then uh, I went uh, J.P. Sears had a show. And JP is a personal friend of both of ours. And uh, it was cool. He said, hey, text me when you get here and I'll bring you back to the green room. And I had my funny thing to say to JP lined up. I was going to be like, hey, are there any funny comedians here that are in the green room that I can hang out with? And uh, and he opens up the the secret door to the green room and I walk back and you're back there. And that was a a total pleasant (laughs) surprise. I had no idea that you were opening up for him, man yeah yeah so the answer was yes there was one there was one significantly funnier comedian yeah it's funny that that's actually i discovered you i found one of your videos i think it was the mask video um i think that was the first video of yours i saw and i like i showed it to my wife i said hey i was like he's kind of like jp sears but funnier (laughs) (laughs) and then i text jp and i said hey i said you should do a video with this guy and he said, "Dude, we recorded it like three days ago, and it's, yeah. it's it goes on YouTube tomorrow." I was like, "Oh, that's that's awesome!" So, yeah, yeah that's man. great,
1: man. I, yeah, I love JP. We met a couple years ago, pre-COVID, pre pre-pandy days. Mm. Is when we met. So we kind of went through that whole transitionary phase with our comedy together. But yeah, it's it's been a blast, and and it was super cool to see you out in Austin too.
0: Well, that's what I love about your comedy is, uh, you know, I was just just to brush up. I was on your YouTube looking at your videos and I was like, your range is really dynamic. You know, JP, for example, used to be all about spiritual comedy. And then you went really hard into political comedy and and you hit on political comedy. Right. But then you have, you know, like with Nikki Howard, your your partner in crime, the couples comedy. And, you know, and, and you do you do a lot of impressions. Yeah. So, yeah. So I like I like that you're, you know, it's like if somebody were to look at your YouTube channel, they're like, I'm not sure what his exact beliefs are or where he leads, which is great. It's kind of, it appeals to everybody, right? Your your Biden impression's great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
1: I thank you for that. That's a cool thing to kind of hear somebody's perspective when they're trying to figure out, oh, what's this guy all about? And I think that's been both a blessing and a curse in Mm -hmm. a way in, in the whole Hollywood game and just entertainment in general and trying to make a career. Yeah, Because you really do, I've seen a lot of people really create this foundation of of following and, and fans and and support because they plant their flag yeah in a certain hill right and yeah. they they stick to a certain belief or a certain style of comedy even if it's outside of the political realm like it's just this thing it's just impressions of this guy or it's just topical comedy. But like I, I just I just enjoy so many different things that I, I kind of made the conscious decision a few years ago to do whatever I thought was fun. Yeah. and if that I means slow growth, cool. That I, I as long I'm I'm gonna be happy to grow slow. You know, yeah. so it's uh, it's it's interesting to hear you say that because that is kind of that's been a, a
0: choice along the way. Yeah, that that is cool. That and for me, that similarly, you know, I'm not a comedian, but with you know, podcasting and writing and and being an online influencer, whatever you want to call it, I obviously have you know some opinions around things. And mm-hmm. where I've landed is what's my objective. I'll see a topic or, and I'll feel like passionate, like, man, I want to share this. And my wife yep. will keep me grounded and remind me, sweetie, your mission is to inspire people. If you go hard on any one opinion, right. You're, you could, you know, turn off half of the audience and now you can't right. help them anymore. Right. And so right. same with you, you, you know, if, if you do take that, plant that flag, like JP's done, right. Which more power to him. Cause he's, grown a lot since then his audience has but um yeah by planting that flag you then you 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 turn off you know half of the audience and now you're not going to make those people laugh when your comedy makes everybody laugh which is cool
1: yeah yeah th- that's exactly it and you know the objective the mission what is the, and and for me it's it's typically the thought process is like what is the value that i want to put into the world like is tweeting something political or re- or sharing an article or making a video like this does that align with the values that I personally want to put into the world? Plenty of people whose value they want to put into the world is specifically progressive liberal ideas or conservative value. And that's totally fine because that's, that's, that should happen. We should have people. We need that too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My, my value has always been like, how can I comment on the absurdity of what's happening? Yeah. And just kind of share an opinion that might, bring people from different sides of the spectrum into this opinion you know so um that's what's prevented me from going like fully one way or the other on certain things although
0: i do lean from time to time and that's just fun sure it definitely is like that i feel like you just said something that you know i feel like unity is what we need now more than ever right so if you can be unifying where you're not picking a side on any topic right you're saying hey like What's bigger than that? To me, what's bigger than that is our humanity. Like, I always say that what we have in common trumps what our, our differences are superficial. You believe this, you believe that, you think this, you think that, right? Versus, oh, you're a human being and so am I. And we're on this journey called life. And and that, to me, trumps everything. And then, yeah. therefore, values like kindness and love and unity, that trumps. You can't say Trump now without there being this association, but... <laughs> so yeah all right so this morning uh i was when i went to youtube to to start just you know refreshing my brent pella uh material uh i ended up uh a norm mcdonald video popped up and i ended up instead of spending an hour watching your videos i just watched norm mcdonald videos Uh, this morning (laughs) an hour much better spent you you (laughs) yeah.
1: Yeah, man. And it
0: is, it's so true. He's one of those artists that I I didn't appreciate until he was gone. And then I started to hear other comedians talk about him. Did you see his, uh, the last standup he did on the Letterman show? Did you see that? I don't think I did. No. Was it recent? In recent Yeah, uh, it was before he passed. I mean, in the last year or so, I'll send it to you. It was powerful because it was, it was an incredible set, hilarious. And then toward the end and no one knew he was dying of cancer except for him. And Mm -hmm. it toward the end he starts saying, I think this is the last time that I'll be on the show. And he just broke down and started crying and was like, Dave, I love you. You've done so much. Anyway. Wow. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm a fan. What, who are some of your favorite comedians? It's a good segue. Um,
1: yeah, of all time, you know, Jim Carrey is up there. My mom... Yeah. I grew up with a single mom and, and we would watch Saturday Night Live all the time. This is right after the Chris Farley era mm. going into Will Ferrell era and then the Lonely Island era after that with Andy Samberg. Yeah. So, you know, Will Ferrell is like in my top three. He's yeah. on my Rushmore. Jim Carrey, for sure, especially what he was doing on, on In Living Color, you know, the whole Fire, fire Marshal Bill. Fire Marshal Bill. I was I, was, yeah. I
0: watched it. Yep.
1: Let me tell you something. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, I love Eddie. I love what Eddie used to do and Robin Williams, man. Um, you know, just his insanity, his controlled insanity is something yeah. I absolutely love. And also those guys that I just mentioned all dipped into drama uh, mm. really well too. Robin Williams, Jim Carrey. They all did a really good job anytime they were uh, a part of a drama project. And I, I like that a lot because, you know, com- a lot of comedians are like broken. You hear those. Clichés that comedians are like broken inside, or like something terrible had to have happened. Yeah. For some, maybe, but for others, I think, you know, comedians have a certain perspective toward the world that allows them to see the light and the dark. And that's what helps them facilitate their commentary on what's happening in society. And so I always liked comedians who could do really well, both in comedy and in darker drama projects, because it really showed another side of humanity that I think a lot of other actors who maybe only do drama yeah. wouldn't be uh, to reach.
0: Well, yeah, I I honestly think that Adam Sandler is a good example of someone who I think yeah. is a way better oh, dramatic fantastic. actor, yeah. right? Yeah. Way better Absolutely. dramatic actor than comedic actor. His comedy, yeah. it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's all right. I um, like you know. his style. Yeah. But yeah. for him in dr- in the drama world,
1: oh, incredible. Yeah. Did you see hustle his,
0: his newer one? Loved it. Such a good movie, man. Great. Such a good movie.
1: Uncut Gems. Phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Now, are you a fan of... Uh, so my favorite comedian right now, uh, next to Brent Pella, right? So second favorite comedian second favorite, uh, yeah. is uh, Nate Bargatze. Are you, you, you oh, follow yeah. him at all?
1: Dude, absolutely. Yeah. He's one of the best storytellers
0: I've ever heard. Dude, he's so subtle. He's so funny. He's so clever. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a big yeah, Nate Bargatze awesome. fan. All right. So yeah. let's, let's talk about your start. So actually, I, I have to mention this selfishly. So this doesn't apply to my audience, but everybody listen. A buddy of mine, uh, Garrett Gunderson has been doing comedy tour uh, for the last couple of years. He's been touring the country and his background is like a financial expert. And he just decided like, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and, you know, make this bucket list thing happen. And now he's doing shows all over the country. And so he recently reached out and said that I could open for him at his next show. Now, (laughs) I'm a keynote speaker. I tell jokes in my speech, yeah, but I'm not a stand-up comedian. So I'm like, I, I'm, I'm terrified and I want to do it. Right. Cause I'm like, I got to yeah. get out of my comfort zone and do this thing. So yeah. I want to hear, you know, from somebody that's a professional comedian, that's absolutely hilarious. Like, how did you let's start with, how did you get your start? And then I might pick your brain for like, how do I write jokes? But, oh, dude, but let's start absolutely. with like, I want to hear your background.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I was doing, um, When I was in high school, going into college, and then all through college, my favorite... The the biggest thing in comedy was Andy Samberg and the Mm. Lonely Island guys on Saturday Night Live. This is...
0: How how old are you, by the way, to give context?
1: Yeah, I'm 32. This was 2008 through 2012, 2013-ish. So this was basically my entire
0: college. This was... Dude, I thought you um, were way older than that. Continue. (laughs) That's what everybody said. You should see the (laughs) top of my head. You would have thought I was 40. Um, So, now, just your, I thought 40 was just your face, but go continue. (laughs) I'm I'm 27
1: in the body. Um, They were, this is back when SNL was like crushing on digital shorts and they were just super, super funny. And so they were such a, a big inspiration for me and all my friends. We started shooting. Little comedy sketches with like a handy cam, right? This nice. is pre-iPhone. This is handy made. Yeah. yeah. And and then in college, we did it a little bit more. And I got into film and media in college and made a couple of comedy music videos just for fun. I was also making music videos for local hip hop artists in Santa Barbara. Okay. And just as like a part of my filmmaking it kind of self-experience i was in the film program in college too okay and i realized that you know i'm making such good videos for these guys why don't i make a comedy video for myself and so i did and it went viral in the uc santa barbara scene and we were we, were, we would play it at like frat parties and and we would play it at house parties it was crazy it was super fun what was the topic of that what was that video uh the first one was called bike path love <laughs> UC Santa Barbara has miles of bike paths, uh, and people are half naked just all the time, you know, in bathing yeah. suits and yeah. whatever. And there's gorgeous girls biking around the bike paths all the time, and I felt like I was falling in love every time. I every went time. To my bike. So I made a song. <laughs> about it. It's great. still out right now,
0: nice. and
1: it, it got like really big in in the UC Santa Barbara scene, and that was my first kind of like taste of any type of success with entertainment or comedy. And I still I wasn't taking it seriously at all. It was just for fun. Yeah. And I moved to LA after and I'm making uh more music videos and short films with a buddy of mine, but I really wanted to get into comedy. So I dove into stand up and improv. Actually, here's a cool story. Here's here's a very here's a cool story of how I a little more detail. So, when I was in LA, I first moved to Los Angeles. I was working at the Cheesecake Factory, which I Truly believe that everybody in America should be forced to work at a restaurant for two years. Yeah. Um, The same way people in Europe are forced to work in the army, people in America should be forced to work Uh, at a restaurant. My
0: wife feels the same way. Yeah. She was in... Yeah. yeah, She feels the same way.
1: So I was at Cheesecake Factory um, for my first full year in LA. And a friend of mine was at LMU and was on campus and sent me a picture of this flyer that was posted up on a building. And it said, casting extras for a Lonely Island music video. Call this number. And I saw that, and I looked at the picture, and in the bottom right corner there was a there was a, a logo. It was like a CC logo, and it said Caviar. And I I thought to myself, you know, I could I could go be an extra, but wouldn't it be cooler to try to like weasel my way into some type of assistant position so I could be like really behind the scenes and learn about these dudes and and what their process is. So yeah. I Google Caviar. Turns out it's Caviar Content, a production company out in L.A. I start calling. I just call cold calling. And I'm trying to get in touch with a producer, and obviously you don't do that. You don't just call a production company and ask yeah. to get in touch with like a high level person. So immediately they say no. Uh, the next couple of days they say no. So then I call back and I pretend like I'm a producer from a different production company. <laughs> and this time they transfer me to a producer. And as soon as I get in touch with that producer, I pretend like I'm somebody else. I say, hey, I, I, I'm working with this great kid. He's a PA. production assistant i'd love to like so like
0: you you were your own agent essentially exactly but for like an assistant assistants don't don't have agents (laughs) i
1: had no idea what i was doing but yeah i must have said the right thing because this person then gave me the number for the production manager which is Mm -hmm. who you really want that's the person that fills out all those roles okay so now i have this person's number and i call her and she doesn't pick up, so I leave a message to say, "Hey, my name is Brent. I just graduated college. Da-da-da-da-da. I would love to be an assistant. I'm not looking for a paycheck. I just want the experience. Whatever." She doesn't pick up for like five days. I'm texting. I'm calling at least once a day, no more than twice a day because I don't want to be insane. But yeah. seven days straight, I call for sure. And then we get to the night before the shoot, and now I've, I'm nervous because the only this is the only time I've ever heard of like a PA. Type of opportunity. I don't know anybody in the industry. I'm fresh out of the cheesecake factory. I got soup all over me. Hmm. And I just want the, the chance to work on set. Yeah. And so I call her at like 5 p.m. The shoot is the next day. And she picks up for the first time. And she's like, yes. And I say, Hey, um, <laughs> is this uh Sarah? Or whatever. And she goes, Yeah, yeah is this Brent, my favorite <laughs> stalker? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, hey. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just uh, started apologizing. And I said, you know, I just, I really want the opportunity to do this. And um, I'm not looking for a paycheck. I, I'm in f- the film program at school. I just graduated and I'm a comedian. And and she goes, okay, you know what? Here's what's going to happen. And I want you to know that this is not the way that things happen in Hollywood. <laughs> okay. So don't expect this to happen. Okay. But I'm going to bring you on as an unpaid intern. Okay. So your call time is 5 a.m. I need you to pick up three gallons of Starbucks on the way. Nice. I I was so excited, dude. Oh, yeah. Brought me on. So then I was a PA on a Lonely Island video. And here's the kicker. I meet the producers on set. They keep bringing me back to more jobs in the months after that. I quit Cheesecake Factory. So now my day job becomes a PA, and I start living on set and learning me on set at age 22 and on that particular shoot on that lonely island shoot it was a two-day shoot and on the last day after rap andy sandberg is drinking a beer in the crafty line and, and having some food and i go up to him and i'm like hey man uh i was, I was super nervous i was like yeah. hey you know I, I just finished school i do a couple of like comedy videos online per month you know i'm, I'm curious what, what did you guys do when you first moved out to la uh were you just doing videos did you pitch shows and he goes, oh, well, you know, when, when I first moved to L.A., I, I did stand up and I was doing stand up in New York, too. And, and you know, I was never very good, but I did stand up for like seven years and it really helped me write and get used to being in front of people. And and that's when it kind of like clicked for me. And yeah. so after that, I started doing open mics and that was kind of the kick in the ass that uh, I, I guess I needed to hear. To start doing open mics, so it that gave set- you
0: kind of gave you
1: direction, oh. it gave you okay clarity. Oh, this is what I'm. Yeah, Andy
0: Sandberg said, "Do do stand up." I'm doing stand up. One right? of my
1: heroes said he did this, and he would got better from it. Of course, I got to do that. So yeah. that whole experience of chasing that opportunity down is what kind of set a, a foundation for the future. Yeah,
0: it's such a cool story, and one of the, you know the lesson from that to me for anybody listening, right, is persist until you succeed. You know yes, how, so how many I, of us would have yeah. called every single day. And risked, you know. I mean, I think most of like, oh, I, I don't want to annoy them, or I don't want to turn them off, or I don't want. You're like, dude, I, I, I got to get their attention. I got right. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that.
1: Yeah, that whole closed mouths don't get fed. Yeah. trope. You know, that's yeah.
0: it's very real. And if uh,
1: if you can figure out a way to consistently stalk and annoy somebody without them fearing for their safety. I think that's the key. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know why that story reminded me or the, the stalking portion of the, uh, the weird Airbnb guest video that you did. Oh yeah. 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 I've showed that one to my that's kids. Deep cut. Yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah. That's great. Uh, <laughs> so let, let's talk about the comedy landscape right now. You know, one of the things that I thought about is I thought, man, uh, like, so my audience is really diverse. Right. But if I had to pick the majority, probably 60% is women like 40 to 50 years old. Right. And then 40% is, you know, it's I mean, men, that range range, and then a few younger folks. Right. But it's, but that's kind of the, that's the, the, the majority. And so I thought, man, a lot of Brent's videos would probably be offensive to some of my audience, right? And I personally I, I'm not a big fan of being offended. Like I just feel like being offended is a personal choice and it's become so prevalent now that, like, you know, being offended is like a badge of honor. Yeah. So I'm just I'm curious uh as to your your view of the comedy landscape over the past few years. Yeah, it's almost
1: like being offended is a is an accomplishment sometimes, yeah. you know. Yeah, the past few years it's been wild. I I didn't do political comedy until COVID, until like April May of 2020. I just didn't it didn't interest me. Um I didn't think politics were interesting to yeah. talk about. I thought it was boring and cliché and and had been done. And so I was in more of the uh topical comedy observational world. And 2020 hit and I just personally saw a lot of stupidity happening, uh, subjective stupidity. I thought that some of the things were stupid. I thought people who wore masks outside with no one around were being stupid. Yeah. And I also thought that people who would like openly argue at stores for stuff were stupid. Like just there was just a lot of dumb in the yeah. world. Yeah. And I think uh a lot more people started recognizing those dumb things. Around the same time, kind of waking up to uh, the the seeing how the world actually operates in 2020, because now we're under more control than ever with lockdowns and mandates and masks and vaccines and all of these things that prior to then we never
0: never thought about yeah
1: with or think about. Yeah. And with that shift, I think a lot of people traveled to one end of the belief spectrum or the other. Mm-hmm. and that made a lot of people team up and the you know tribalism is natural in, in any group of social animals right but we created this crazy like toxic tribalism in 2020 that allowed people the opportunity to kind of vocalize how offensive they got and then be supported by other people who could encourage them to share how offended they were and that that was almost it was almost like a virtue signaling type of thing it's almost like getting a uh, it's like an echo chamber effect right yeah. where you, you you call out how offended you are because this comedy video did this or you shouldn't be talking about masks or why would you ever you know talk down to republicans they're trying to free america or like whatever it, the case is and then that person on Twitter or Facebook or in their own little vlog, they would then have hundreds or thousands of comments of people saying, like,
0: yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I hate that person too. And yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it gives this, it releases more of those happy chemicals in your brain because you're getting the support and the notifications and the comments and the likes and the views. And and it just it's this rush of of a, of a high stemming from choosing to be offended or stemming from choosing to have a fight online. And for comedy specifically, that was good and bad. The good is that now we comedy lives in extremes. It lives in heightening things into absolute madness. So as society itself is heightening into absolute madness, now comedy's boundary is way further than it was because the level of insanity is so high that now we as comedians can mock that in an even higher way, right? Totally. And that's really fun. I think that's super fun. The negative is that if you're going to make a a comedy video and be political about it. Now the landscape is so polarized that a lot of my friends feel like they have to choose one side or the other. Mm. Uh, I've even felt like that before, but I naturally gravitate toward one side or the other when I'm poking fun at a at a topic. It's just crazy that the the landscape has changed to the point where people vocalize being offended so much more often and vocalize like. You know, as as if they want to rile up people in their same belief circle to be against that guy, and yeah. and we don't, we never had that before. We don't need you to yeah. pick up, you know, surround yourself with a tribe of people who hate somebody for their comedy video. Just don't watch it, dude. Yeah, yeah. And year, years ago, that's what it was. Years ago, it was. uh that's not really for me. Let me move on. Totally. But, but now it's like, oh, I don't like that, and I need everybody to know that I don't like that.
0: And to me, it says yeah. so much more about the person that's hating, right? It's like, you're hating on this parody or this comedy. You know, I don't think that really says the comedian's doing something wrong so much as, and that's the thing about comedy that's always been like the debate is, are there any topics that are off limits? I mean, I don't want to say that there aren't. Yeah, I mean, something that, if something's deeply offensive to somebody and you know that, and then you're intentionally trying to hurt them when you know, you know, eh, right? But but I think for the most part, you can make fun of almost anything. I can make make fun fun of-
1: Anything. There yeah. are certain things on the extreme that people just simply don't really make fun of. Yeah. Because it's really hard to make something funny about a certain topic. Right. But if you can do it
0: and creatively do it right, and actually it's funny. Yeah.
1: Then do it. Yeah. Right. Whether it's, yeah. you know, 9 11 or the Holocaust or some terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. It's not off limits. It's just way more challenging to mm-hmm. actually create a joke. That won't come off as having bad intentions or won't just simply have bad intentions. Like is the intention of the joke to make people laugh and lighten the mood around this specific topic so that we yeah. can break that barrier of taboo and actually approach this issue or this this topic with a smile yeah. for once instead of letting it just breed negativity? But that's the thing now is, you know, it used to be just those couple of examples that I just mentioned. Now, what's off limits? Ooh, don't make fun of climate change. Dude, yeah. don't make fun of California's governor. Don't make fun of Biden. Don't make fun of Kamala. She's a she's a woman of color. She's in a position of power. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, anybody in a position of power deserves to be mocked. It doesn't yeah. matter who they are. Yeah. And so now we have all these crazy new rules from people online in the comedy landscape, uh, trying to set limits on what we can and cannot make fun of. And I, I think that's awful. I don't like that at all. So yeah. that's what me and people like JP and others. We don't see those limits. We just barrel right through and yeah. try to mock whatever we think deserves a little mocking, you know? Well, and
0: to be fair, like like I mentioned earlier, where, you know, you uh, kind of appeal to everybody, like your, your political videos early on, right? You did the... Um, the joe rogan hosting the debate with joe biden and donald trump right yeah so yeah, you yeah. made fun of everybody like it wasn't you weren't making you weren't picking a side and poking fun you were making yeah. fun of everybody right which is and i think mean, even good snl skits they do the same thing right they're making fun of of all the like you said people in power by the way who was the guy so you did the biden impression you were phenomenal right um who who was the guy that did the trump impression because he was great too Yeah, that's Austin
1: Nasso. Super funny. One of the best Trump impersonators I've ever seen. That Biden impression I did was actually really, I didn't like it at all. Now I don't like it. Back then, that was the first time I had ever done it. And it started to become Southern for some reason. (laughs) Like the KFC guy, the colonel. Um, so looking back, I'm like, oh, that didn't deliver. The look yeah. was good. I think the physicality was good. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's gotten a lot better since then. But that was a good one. Yeah. And, and then I did another one that was Joe Rogan talks to politicians. And that included like Ted Cruz. It included um, Mitch McConnell's turtle self. It, it included a couple others, too. And on that video, what's funny is somebody commented like, why would you make fun of Ted Cruz? And I was like, wouldn't <laughs> I?" <really laughs> yeah, Are you kidding. Yeah. Why would I not? Yeah. What? The questions and the offendedness or the do this, but not that kind of um, yeah. mentality. You, you can
0: make fun of someone I don't like, but you can't exactly. make fun of someone I do like.
1: Right. Exactly. And that's, which is so, so silly. It's crazy. It's yeah. everywhere. And, yeah. you know, and that's someone
0: that's not a fan of comedy, essentially. Right. I would I would imagine, yeah. you know, right. They're just they're not into comedy. And so. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, they're not a comedy. They're, they're
1: into, you know, hating on the libs or whatever. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? To owning the libs. And so why would I ever mock somebody that's conservative? They couldn't understand it, but that's, that's the thing. That's where we once were. We were once in a spot where you could do anything to anybody through the lens of comedy. And now it, it is this like, do this, but not that mentality, not everywhere. I will say this, the, the audience that I've started to, recognize attract. in yeah and attract in, in my corner of uh the the game yeah has been very similar to me and they they really react well when a side isn't chosen or when I flip back and forth between videos and topics mocking this side that side this thing that thing yeah I've seen a lot of love for that and that nice. that's what really gives me faith that a lot of people out there even if they lean one way or the other, they can recognize comedy for comedy and they don't have an expectation of you automatically taking their side first. So I do love that because that's where I currently stand.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. You always are going to get hate, right? No matter what, you just have to realize that that's about them and their mm-hmm. perspective. And I'm going to do what I do and come. And that's that's the thing. You mentioned intentions. I think that's it. You're like, if I'm coming from a good place, sure, I'll either I'll make mistakes from time to time or I will absolutely offend someone from time to time. But as long as I know that I'm living in alignment with my values, I can sleep at night. I can feel good. Yeah. Right. And I don't have to take anybody else's stuff personally. Right. Yep. You think that that's that's okay. You're entitled to your opinion, right? I'm not gonna take that on. Um, you mentioned that you didn't like your uh Biden impression. It is funny how impressions too can slide, right? You can just, yeah. you can just all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, my impression has this Southern Colonel Sanders. like
1: Colonel Sanders? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: my, my, uh, like whenever I do acts, I can't do accent, So that's my, I don't do a lot of impersonations, but I, I'll try to do an accent and my wife's sl- or my daughter will call me. She's like, dad, that my, my daughter loves doing English accent. She's 13. Oh, and I'll yeah. try to talk back to an English accent. She's like, dad, you sound Japanese or Chinese or Mexican. Like you don't, you don't sound <laughs> She's like stop. Yeah. Stop. That's not you're it. ruining, you <laughs> you're ruining an English accent. You're 10 um, countries away. Yeah. So exactly. So I'm curious uh, as to your, you mentioned that the Biden impression you don't like, what have been your, A, your favorite impression to do? Which one do you enjoy doing the most? I mean, you've done Eminem, The Rock, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? On and on. Uh, So what's been your favorite and what's the one that either you think you nail the most or people have told you it's the most accurate?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And thank you for allowing me to now feed my ego even more. Yeah, (laughs) please. This is what this is my breakfast today. So <laughs> uh my favorite one, you know, I think I gotta say Eminem because that was the first one that ever popped. And mm. I didn't even expect it to really pop. And I, I'm such an Eminem fan. I think he's the greatest rapper of all time. It forced me to start writing my parodies like him. Mm. Because if you're gonna do a parody of Eminem and have it be good, you have to write. In his writing style, you have to nail these double entendres, triple entendres, mm. these delivery patterns, these rhyme schemes throughout the verse and throughout the bars. And so that was really fun creatively. Mm. That, was a, that was an awesome creative challenge. And he's just so angry.
0: <laughs> he's just <laughs> so, so intense. Angry. And he's so angry,
1: you know, and he's so intense. And I love the being like a high energy guy. I love that. I love dipping into that kind of frame of mind. So mm. I, I really like that. People have told me that of all my impressions, the Joe Rogan sounds the most like Joe Rogan. Yeah. It's funny because I never really tried super hard to sound like him. So I think maybe we just have a similar um, similar natural cadence. Vocal quality. Yeah. 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 So that was fun, too. And then, of course, the Gavin Newsom one has just done so well with California because nobody was really doing a Gavin. Yeah before I did
0: <laughs> it, <Gavin. laughs> it's Gavin Newsom,
1: baby. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know he sounds like he's gargling marbles, so oh. that's uh, that's why I lose my voice every time I do Gavin. Oh, every do nice every time. I can't. The way you got to get your I get all throaty. throaty. Yeah, yeah. It's just
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's just the whole time. But yeah. yeah, it's all it's all been super fun. You know, I, I never um, thought I would be a, an impressionist of any kind so well, I started doing it but you know I I'm such a nerd for just like human behavior and psychology yeah that when I approached doing some of these impressions I just I love picking apart the the behaviors and the physicality and and the like decision making behind saying th- certain things for certain people
0: so it's been fun yeah, yeah it's a blast that's cool so probably my one of my favorite recurring themes in your videos are how bros talk about blank how bros talk about politics how bros yeah, yeah. talk about nuclear war how bros yeah. talk about the the crisis in ukraine right like yep. um so i so that i mean that's those characters are just so funny like you you do all of the all you know the guy rubbing soap on it right with the ocd washing his hands the whole time and uh, so here's my question I've, I've thought about this i'm like how does he film this like I just not being behind the scenes and never done a video where you're playing and for anybody listening that doesn't hasn't seen this like he's playing four different characters typically Mm -hmm. right three three to four different yeah yeah three and then you have your buddy with the curly hair oh uh, Blake yeah Blake. is he like a good friend of yours
1: he is yeah he's one of my good friends and he's been in some of those videos but the series I think you're talking about is just it's usually just me breaking down some like really deep yeah topic within society i'm writing one right now that's bros talk about quantum physics <laughs> and uh because my uncle is like a uh, um rocket scientist virtual reality um developer create smartest person i know and he's helping me write this like quantum physics version nice. and the inspiration behind doing those is like i'm a bro i grew up a bro yeah, a bro. yeah, yeah. i partied yeah. i drank i'm i'm a total bro you know sure, and, but, sure. but i also have seen my own evolution into the conscious space and the wellness space and just being more aware of life in general and now i i feel like i am a bro that also loves to pick apart these topics and learn about things and and so when i do these characters uh it's funny because each one has their own very specific framework for how they think about things mm. and it's been such a fun way for me personally. To learn about a topic because now I gotta dive into the war in Ukraine or how they say they killed the guy out in Iran a, a year or so ago or whatever it is. And I have to like actually learn about it and then almost um translate it into bro into bro talk. <laughs> you know, I gotta try I gotta figure out okay, what's the metaphor for like weed that can fit in here or whatever? Yeah. And uh so so it's fun. Yeah, I shoot each character one by one. And as if I'm talking to the other characters in the room and then I cut it all together to make it look like a full conversation. So it's basically it's what it really is, is a translation of the insanity of my brain yeah. onto my living room couch. It's bringing all the people that live in, inside of my head and yeah. put them
0: on the couch in real the time. Different very The different nuances of your broness. Yeah, exactly. You're on all sides of the bro of Brent. In so, one yeah. well, what I love is you have the one, and is that is that if I remember correctly, right? Like the one bro, which maybe is the closest to who you really are, that always drops the knowledge. Isn't that a isn't that a theme? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like he uh, actually gives the highly intelligent. Right. Yeah, and the other guys yeah. are like,
1: "Whoa, dude, what?" Yeah. <laughs> and he's drinking a four loco the entire time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so funny so that's the way you film it um so you you write the whole thing out right like the whole script mm-hmm. and then you sit there in one you dress in the one character and then you read one line and then pause and then read that next line right and then you cut it all together
1: yeah. yeah so i'll deliver all of his lines and all of his reactions and all of his improv lines if if i you know i have a script but i i always there's always some element of improv to everything i do so yeah. I'll do that. I'll run through all of the lines a couple different ways, maybe two or three takes of each line, reactions to everything that everybody else is saying. Then I'll change and go to the next spot. And I'll run through all that person's lines and reactions to his left, to his right, whatever it is. And then, yeah, chop it all together. And it looks like one fluid conversation. And a lot of people have been like, wait, is that... I watched the whole thing three times before realizing they were all Brent. Oh, (laughs) shut
0: up. How funny
1: yeah no it's yeah.
0: i mean dude you it is so well done like the product not just the acting but the production on that it's so well done man bravo thank you, seriously
1: bro. thank you thank you brother thank you bro
0: you mentioned uh blake the guy with the curly hair that's how i'm identifying mm-hmm. him were you guys so he's funny like and you guys play off each other really really well were you guys friends before or did you like get together for comedy and then become friends or were you guys already buddies yeah. and like
1: yeah, so we started rocking together. We knew each other for a while just from like the open mic scene in LA where we okay. crossed paths with everybody. We were never like friends during that those days, but we were cool. We would just say, "Hey, what's up, man? Good to see you." "Hey, good set." That was funny, whatever. That's kind of how that world operates. Just so many people. Sure. And then in 2020, we followed each other on Instagram a lot and liked each other's videos and commented and DM'd and all that. And then in 2020, I had a couple ideas for videos that I thought he would be funny in. And so I invited him over. And the first video we made was uh, how bros talk about conspiracy theories. That's <laughs> just, just the two of us in this. And this is back when everything was a conspiracy theory. Now, some of the conspiracies we talked about, <laughs> they, they were proven to be true. Yeah, conspiracy um,
0: reality seems like it's the more accurate. Exactly, term.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so we did those videos together and, and uh, he showed up and I hadn't spoken to him in like a year or two yeah and for anybody who's watched his videos he has a very like cartman style voice he has a very unique voice yeah he's always like what's up dude what's (laughs) good bro yeah (laughs) and and, uh and that's what he's like online so i hadn't spoken to him in in a couple of years he shows up at my door and he goes hey brent what's good dude (laughs) and i started laughing because i thought (laughs) he was doing a voice but that's just how he (laughs) talks And, uh, and he's the, just the nicest guy, super, super funny. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people ask me why I haven't moved out to Austin yet. Nah, um, that
0: was my, I thought about leading with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, I get asked that question every time I talk to somebody that doesn't live in California. Why yeah. don't you live in Texas or somewhere yeah. else? Yeah. And it's because I got people like Blake and my friend Nikki out yeah. here. In LA and, like, you know, that's my, it's kind of You're my true. Team right yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Nikki's so great, man. Uh, in fact, I just, Uh, I've only seen her in your videos. And then today I was like, oh, I bet she's her own person. So (laughs) I went, you know, I I followed her on Instagram, went to her YouTube channel. She's got, I was like, wow, she's got a legit, legit following on her own. Yeah, she's killer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, How did you guys meet?
1: We met through a mutual friend, Stevie Emerson, who also does videos online. She had been in a bunch of stuff with him. I was trying to work with more people because I was just starting to get into the YouTube game. This is like 2018, maybe 2018, something like that. And uh, so I just, I DM'd her, we exchanged numbers and we started shooting together just right away. We had like maybe one writing session on FaceTime and then we shot a couple of videos, got along great. You know, you can tell in the creative space almost right away, I think, whether or not your vibe is going to align with somebody else's, whether or not your your approach to creativity and your uh, way of translating an idea from your head to the paper, to the screen is going to be similar to somebody else's or compared. Uh, uh, collaborative enough with somebody else's and me and hers just clicked immediately and the videos clicked and popped and from then on we were just you know she's now I consider her now my closest collaborator for sure really Uh, and we're putting together some bigger stuff now too. You right?
0: guys have an incredible synergy. I thought when I saw you, I was like, "Oh, is that your?" I was like, "What's her? Name? Is she your girlfriend?" I totally thought she was your girlfriend. I mean, you guys, like, you guys, everybody really? Does. Oh, sure, literally, sure.
1: Literally, everybody does. Which yeah. is so hilarious. We don't even correct
0: people anymore. I mean, you'll probably uh, end up breaking up with your current and end up marrying each other. That's my. That's my theory. <laughs> you, you heard it here. It's it's cemented uh, on this podcast. That's I my theory. People who I share this podcast with now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't share it with Nikki's boyfriend or your girlfriend. <laughs> uh, all right, I, I take it back. I take it back. Um, no. <laughs> so uh, so I mentioned that right? I that I that my buddy Garrett uh, Gunderson invited me to do some stand-up with him. So I'd love to talk to you. I'm, I'm curious about your creative process. And I think I'm going to call this episode, How to Be a Stand-Up Comedian with Brent Pella, right? So oh, I think we've cool. delivered on that a bit. Um, and I want to keep uh, that theme. How and when do you write your comedy? I would imagine a lot of it comes, right? Momentary shower thoughts. You hear something from right, like as an author, half of my material is like written in my phone on a note when I just am driving in the car and a thought pops in my head. But I'm curious, yeah. comedy wise, like do you sit down every day for for an hour? Like, yeah, break, break down your process.
1: I will. I will break down the process. I will say though first, if anybody actually like yourself is actually going to do comedy of some sort, what's even more important than writing mm-hmm. jokes for the first time is coming to an understanding with yourself that you might suck. Ah. Like that, like everybody, I was awful. Dude, everybody's bad when they first start. That doesn't mean you're going to suck. You're probably going to be fantastic because you yeah. already like, do this and you have jokes that you you know how to deliver a line and, and talk to people. Yeah. But that was one of the biggest challenges for me is realizing, oh, I'm bad at this and I need to get better when mm-hmm. I first started. And that is what kind of kicked me in the ass to figure out a writing style, which is all will answer that now is like, it's typically ideas will come to me at odd times. I could sit down for three hours and then as soon as I stand up and go for a drive or a run, I'll have an idea then. I don't have a notebook with me totally computer then. So it, it kind of training your brain to be open at all times to receive whatever that idea is or whatever that spark of that catalyst of creativity is. That's big. And then for me, that that's just uh, I write it down on my notes on my phone or like I'll dictate it into a note. And yeah. it's typically just a line or a phrase like yeah. uh, my girlfriend told me that I closed my mouth when I was sleeping once. And I stopped breathing. And she told me like super casually, she was just like, hey, the other night, you know, you stopped breathing for a little bit. It was crazy. (laughs) Anyway, want to get the salad for an appetizer? And I was like, what? (laughs) Excuse me. And so when she told me that, I just thought it was so funny. And so I wrote it down on my phone as a note. And so now I'm trying to figure out how to make that into a joke. How to work
0: that in. Yeah. That's
1: hilarious. So yeah, so I'll take, I'll do that. I'll write down a note or I'll dictate a note and then I'll bring that to the computer and I'll try to free write a little bit. But also... You know, I do hour-long shows now. I do I do my headline act is is around an hour. So I'll write on stage. I love improvising. I yeah. from an improv background. I I love the free flow of just talking and trying to figure it out as I go. So I'll I'll write. I consider that writing too. So I'll do that on stage. But for somebody that's preparing, you know, it's it's nice sometimes to do the Jerry Seinfeld method, which is to mm. set a timer for a certain amount of time, 30 minutes, and not take your fingers off the keys. Mm. And you end up with 99% crap. Yep. But 1%, when you read it back through, you take that 1%, you start a new document, you put that 1% here, you set your timer again, and you try to go off of that. And maybe the next time you have 5%, right? And uh, I think that's a really cool way of just annihilating writer's block and just forcing yourself through it. And topics are the easy thing. That's the easy part. What to talk about, you know, but yeah, that's, that's been what's worked
0: for me from a, from a writing point of view, at least. That's great, and that, that that's a great that Jerry Seinfeld strategy for anybody listening, whether you're writing comedy or you want to be a writer or you know or you're trying to solve a problem, right? Set the timer, just free write, and and I usually start with I'm not sure what I'm going to write now, right now, but hopefully it's going to be good, and I need to think of something funny, right? Like I just start I just start writing, and and then yeah, yeah. Then, like you said, one I ooh, you're like ooh ooh ooh, and then ooh a couple of ideas yeah, yeah, come yeah. up, yep. yep, you know, and and it's gold. My understanding of you is you're a pretty spiritual person, I would say. Would you consider yourself pretty spiritual? Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, evolving from bro to spiritual. Uh, I am a conscious bro. Conscious yeah. bro. Yeah. Um, so how do you view, you mentioned like receiving, that That word popped out to me. In terms of tying spirituality into comedy, in whatever context that, that might resonate with you, like I would love to hear you speak on that. And, and it could be in terms of just like, yeah, spiritually, like I let, you know, just being open to allowing the, Wisdom of whatever God, the universe, like you know, the funniness, whatever, to come to to show up and keep open to receiving it versus like trying to force it, or if they're just you know, or if you look at spirituality in terms of like the impact you're making by making people laugh and that that's a spiritual pursuit. So I'm curious, just how you would talk about comedy and spirituality together?
1: Yeah, definitely. So you know, my mom raised me a hippie. She nice. uh, okay. grew up in Davis, and she she would bring me to Grateful Dead shows when I was a toddler. You know, I had tie-dyed shirts and uh, a reusable diaper, and um, <laughs> I think a lot of that just inspired my approach to life throughout life. But as far as comedy and spirituality goes, you know, I said before that a lot of comedians have the um, the ability to flip over into drama because they have they need to have a way to view the world and create a perspective that allows them to understand humanity better so that they can then comment on humanity through the lens of comedy. Mm. And once I started to kind of understand that and learn more about that, it opened up my perspective toward the human experience to a whole new level, because I really I, I, I really want to understand what the human experience is like so that I can comment on it and I want to understand what that human experience is like in politics and in the obsessions with pop culture and the effects social media has and how the news affects us and all these little subtopics all are underneath the umbrella of human experience. So I've tried to open my mind up more and more to um, learn about that, to uh, study it, to communicate with people about it. And also, yeah, to open my mind to receive inspiration and um you know i i do meditate i've I've dabbled in psychedelics i'm a big proponent of psychedelic medicine and plant medicine and those avenues of learning for me have created a connection between my comedy and the human experience that allows me to just comment on more things and in more ways than i would have without you know taking those approaches and from a spiritual point of view too i think we're all trying to live with a purpose we're all trying to figure out what our purpose is and mine used to just be comedy make people laugh mm. and as I developed spiritually and and kind of mentally and emotionally throughout my own personal journey through life, that mission and purpose became more detailed and specific and so what 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 was once oh I'm here to make people laugh and spread joy yeah. is now like I'm here to shine a light on absurdity. And make people choose and help help not make help people choose to laugh at things rather than choose to be upset or offended or mm. ignore or fight against. Like I wanna I, I really want to inspire the first reaction to something to be laughing because that's what you know, that was the whole purpose of the court jester. He wanted to mock the king so that the king would laugh at himself. Yeah. And I love doing that and uh, and so from a spiritual point of view, the choose to laugh objective now is aligned because I feel like it's just it's raising people's awareness to what can happen when you choose to laugh rather than choose to fight or choose to be negative. And what can happen is you're just a happier person. you live a happier life because we're all gonna die. We're yeah. all gonna die. yeah, yeah. and oh are you are you choosing to travel that road to death with negativity or are you gonna travel that road to death with laughter? Hopefully that <laughs> answers the question a little bit. I know, you I
0: know it, know it really does in a way. Yeah, I, I like that. It's, you know, you, I think about laughter is the best medicine and your Dr. Pella, right? Like, yeah. you know, delivering not only the laughter, but the, the message of like, let's laugh. And I'm, I, I personally am the person that will like, my wife will call me out. I find the humor in everything, in anything, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you do too, right? Anyone who's, who's in comedy does. Um, and uh, But to the point where she's like, that's inappropriate. I'm like, how is anything? Who said it's inappropriate? Like, according to who? Right? right. Because you don't think it's appropriate, right? Like, I thought it was funny or whatever, you know? Um, and I think about, you know, what you just said, that really, God, that it, it really is a beautiful purpose With such a spiritual undertone, I think about like with kids, you know, when when my I have a 10 year old son and, you know, like the other day he was like so upset at me and uh, my just just the the world, whatever. He was upset with me and my wife. Right. And then we got him laughing, you know, Mm right. And and, and he was upset because he was in pain because he had this like bug bite and his hand was swollen. He was having an allergic reaction and then that led to other stuff, you know, and then we got him laughing. Right. And what it did is the physical pain subsided. Right, the mental and emotional pain subsided, mm-hmm. you know, and so you think about that. If you can, if you can go through life with laughter being a le- like love and laughter, yeah. I would interest like if those are the two primary lenses that you view every experience, dude. I think that's going to be a winning life. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely,
1: and it's a choice. It, it's truly a choice, and I think we're living in a time where a lot of people don't know they have that choice or they don't think that it's a choice. They think that that's a waste of time and we need to be more serious about everything and make sure that we're fighting the good fight for this and this and this. Yeah. And it's like yeah, we can relax a little. We can relax a little bit. Yeah. We're not the world isn't on fire completely. You know, yeah. we can get through these challenges together. Everybody's going to have different beliefs about different things. Yeah. And laugh your way through it instead of raging and tweeting your way through it. You know. Yeah.
0: yeah. no. Amen, man. I I want I want to be Laughing on my deathbed, right? Like yeah, laughing at the Yeah. yeah. At the, right. Why not? You know, what's a better way to go out? Um yeah. so I'm tempted to end it there because that was such a powerful message. But there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and it's your yeah. show on MTV. Um yeah. talk about are you still on that show? Yeah, that's wild and out. Uh Nick Cannon's show.
1: And I actually just got back from Atlanta yesterday. We were shooting all week out there for the new season. That has been just the most fun experience ever. You know, I got that show because I had been doing videos online and I didn't have an agent, I didn't have a manager, I was just making videos and putting them out and doing stand up and I was a PA, uh driving, you know, big huge production trucks with thousands of dollars of equipment and light stands and all these things and I would go to set and I'd like be editing a video at lunch in the truck and running coffee and everything. And then I got home from one of those jobs one day and um, I had a DM in in my uh, on Instagram and it was from Nick Cannon.
0: No way.
1: He, yeah, so get this. I had made a video called How the Grinch Took Mushrooms. And I was in <laughs> full <laughs> Grinch makeup. It's like three I, hours. I, I remember that, yeah. And then that same night we shot that video. When we were done with the video, we stripped off the makeup, which took about an hour. Yeah. Cleaned it all up. And we went and shot an Eminem parody That was Eminem dissing Nick Cannon because Nick had put out a a diss track toward Eminem. I knew Eminem wasn't going to respond, so I dressed up as Eminem and I did a diss track toward Nick. So I did it the same night as the Grinch video, which was right before Christmas, barely had time. Everybody had flights the next day to go home. I knew this was the only opportunity I could shoot this video. So we shot it that night. I stayed up the entire night editing to put it out the next morning. And apparently Nick... Saw it. So the next day I had the PA job. The video came out. It went viral online. Somebody sent it to Nick. He DMs me. I get the DM. It says like, hey, bro, you ready to wild out? No way. Yeah. We had a quick conversation on Instagram. He invited me out to his office a couple days later. And he cast me on the show right there in in his office. Now, after that, what was crazy is COVID hit. So COVID threw off everything for the whole year. Well, an entire year passed. I didn't know if I was ever going to be on the show. I didn't know if the show was going to come back.
0: Nobody knew anything. So, wait, you hadn't been on the show at all when COVID hit? Nope. Oh, so you got you got the gig, and then COVID hit. Oh man, I got the gig and COVID took it away. How depressing! Was, if I were you, COVID would have been extra depressing without like was. knowing. That's, why went, that's part of
1: why I went crazy with <laughs> <laughs> all the videos. So then. The show gets taken away, right? It, 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 we're told they don't know if it's ever going to come back. Uh, this is now spring 2020. I triple down on videos, so it went from one to three a week. And I don't hear from Nick for like eight or nine months, and then he Facetimes me in February 2021. And so wait, literally,
0: that, were you just looking at your phone, and all of a sudden it's a Facetime from Nick Cannon? It's a
1: it's a uh, an LA number. Okay, okay. It's a Facetime. So I was like, okay, it's got to be a person and not a scam. If it's yeah, a FaceTime, yeah, 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 this is. It's Nick, <laughs> and he says, "Hey, bro, we're we're back. We're coming back for the next season, season 16. We're shooting in the summer." He was walking toward a private jet at the time, and I was like, "Where are you going? Where where are you right now?" He was like, "Oh, I'm I'm traveling up to see one of my baby mamas." I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense." <laughs> <laughs> nice. and, oh, and, uh, and so he was, you know, he and one of the producers were like, "We love all the stuff you've been putting out. You know, you've stayed on it. You're growing." We'd love to see that. We're bringing you back. We want to keep our word to you. And he brought me back on. And so I I literally have nothing but good things to say about Nick Cannon as a human being and as a person. He is humble, gracious, giving... He, he it just. Uh, it's been an incredible opportunity. The people on the show are super fun to work with. On the cast, yeah, just incredible performers and creatives, and and just fun, friendly people. And I might not have gotten that opportunity if I hadn't, you know, doubled down that night and shot that Eminem disc that, video and that then extra video, before. right? You, know, you never know. You know. It's these little things, dude. Like if I, if, totally. that video, if that video didn't get released at the exact moment it did, I don't yeah. know. If whoever showed him would have ended up seeing it. And I don't know if it would have gotten to him and I would be doing what I'm doing with them now. So uh, yeah. I, I just, uh, I take that to heart. And when you talk about spirituality, that that's like the universe aligning. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also, you have to align yourself. You know what I mean? You got to really be the catalyst for your own goals to come true, for your own opportunities to happen. So that's the lesson I took from that. But the show in general is super fun. It's yeah, obviously for those that
0: aren't familiar, what, what's wilding out?
1: It's uh whose line is it anyway? But uh it's basically like the black version of that. Yeah. So it's yeah. a very urban show. It's it's there's a lot of hip hop elements to it, it's rooted in like modern day urban black culture. And now you're um, white, so are you like the token white guy. guy on the show? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, which <laughs> is super fun. And the great thing about that show is, you know, in this era of um fragile. Offensiveness, yeah. That show really doesn't give a shit. That show, yeah. it's it's a roast show. So there's yeah. roast jokes all the time. There's what some people would call body shaming. We would call a hilarious joke on the show, yeah. Right, and, yeah. and it's because their style of roasting and joking on that show is meant to break through stereotypes so that we can all laugh at each other, no matter who you are, what size, shape, or color you are. We can all laugh about it and break through those stereotypes because at the end of the day, we're all best friends on the show. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, that's on VH1. Season 18 just finished. And then the next season's air, I think, next year. And how
0: many seasons? Have you done one season now or more than one? I've done four so oh, far. Oh, four? Yeah. Yep. Right on. And so people can watch that on VH1 or YouTube, VH1, right? I mean, I think go to YouTube, YouTube watch other videos. Clips. Yeah, YouTube That's where has, I've seen clips, I think, yeah.
1: YouTube and Instagram have the, the most clips. And then uh, VH1 and Paramount Plus air the live episodes, I think. Something like that, yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, man, I, uh, you know, I I was a fan coming into today and I'm a bigger fan uh, wrapping up the episode. I, I really, I really like you, Brent. Dude, you're just, you're a good person. JP's told me, you know, Brent is like one of the best human beings you will ever meet, right? So that's a good... I picked good, uh, that, so he should have. Yeah, paid. no, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good foundation though. What um what, so, so what where where's the best place for people to find you, support you, uh, you know, uh so on yeah. and so forth. So I um
1: I, I'm on tour a lot. I just finished up a big summer tour, but I do have some dates coming up. September twenty third. I don't know when this comes out, but September twenty-third, I'm in Sedona, Arizona. And then in November, I'm doing Oklahoma City in Dallas. brettpellacom slash shows. For tour dates and tickets, Instagram is at Brent Pella. Same on YouTube if you want to watch videos. And then I did also just release a uh, rose wine, which I'm super excited about. Dude,
0: I te- mentioned that uh, I, I I was on the site. I was like, "Whoa, Brent's super entrepreneurial now." Or like, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. So I, I got to send you a, a couple of bottles. It's a Vibe Rose. So we're here to raise with a the Y. Bo- Vibe with v-, a v Y B v- Yeah V Y B R O S E You can check that out and see what we got going on. We're shipping to Texas, but I'll send you some bottles too. Yeah,
0: Uh, sure. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I'm not a wine drinker, but I love when my wife drinks it. So yeah, send me some (laughs) bottles. Um, Perfect. I appreciate it. All right, man. Well, much love to you and uh, goal achievers and members of the Miracle Morning community. I love you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation even half as much as I did with Brent. And uh, I'll have to have him on again. Love you. And I will talk to you next week.